It's very obvious to tell when someone is passionate about something. You'll see the excitement in their eyes. You hear the joyful tone in their voice, and you'll, you'll even see the energy that their presence gives off. Now, leading up to our verses before us this morning, we hear about some events that took place at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, seeing that he got right to work. Uh, he went and called some disciples to follow him, and soon after this, he went to the wedding at Cana, where he performed his very first miracle, miraculously turning water into wine so that the wedding festival could continue without shame and dishonor being brought on the bride and the groom. But you see, with these initial events in Jesus' public ministry, they were done in somewhat of a, a private manner in some insignificant places. But as we hear in our verses today, that was all soon to change. Because with the Passover festival drawing near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And with Jesus coming to Jerusalem, it was time for him to reveal himself as God's promised Messiah in the holy city of God to God's chosen people, the Israelites. And the timing of this couldn't have been any more perfect because it was time for the Passover festival. The festival which commemorated the Israelites' deliverance from their slavery in Egypt where the angel of death passed over the houses which had the blood of the lamb on their door frames. And a big part of this festival was the special meal that accompanied it, where the Israelites would eat the Passover lamb, a lamb which symbolized the greater deliverance that the promised Messiah was one day going to bring, delivering his people from their slavery to sin. And since this festival was designed to point and to focus the people on the promised Messiah of whom Jesus was the fulfillment, it truly was the perfect time for Jesus to reveal himself as God's Messiah to God's people. And as Jesus came to Jerusalem for this festival, well, what he should have seen was, was people carrying out the, the necessary preparations and sacrifices out of reverent joy worship, and with passion, with hearts clinging to God's promises, recognizing how everything they were doing was pointing them ahead to the work that he came to accomplish. But as Jesus came to Jerusalem, he saw something far different. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and money changers sitting at tables. And really what Jesus saw in the temple was madness. I mean, during this festival, an estimated two to three million Jews would be at Jerusalem, many of them traveling from far distances away. And for many of these Jews who traveled far distances away, well, they weren't able to bring with them the necessary animals to make the necessary sacrifices. And some people saw this as an opportunity to make some money. Merchants set up a one-stop shop right there in the temple courts so that people could make these necessary sacrifices and preparations as quickly, as easily, and as efficiently as possible. But let's pause for a moment and think about this scene from Jesus' perspective. As he came to Jerusalem, 
and walked up to the temple courts, the entryway to his heavenly father's house, he would have been hit with the stench of tens of thousands of animals. He would have been overwhelmed with the sound of the the lowing of cows, the cooing of doves, the yelling of merchants, and the clinking of coins, all of which would have drowned out the sound of the priest in the temple making prayers and singing praises to God. But as bad as those things would have been, the worst of it all is that as Jesus came to the temple courts, he would have seen his people coming in haste completely ignoring the purpose and importance of what the Passover festival was designed to be, carrying out the necessary sacrifices and preparations as though it was just some sort of checklist that they needed to get through to appease God. There was no reverent worship. There was no recognition of what all of these things were pointing them ahead to. There was no zeal or passion to do these things as God desired them to to do them from a heart of faith. And their lack of zeal and passion, well, it incited Jesus to a passionate response. Jesus made a whip of cords and drove everyone out of the temple courts along with the sheep and oxen. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those selling doves, he said, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a place of business. I'm guessing when you picture Jesus in your mind, you typically don't picture him as we see him in these verses. With a whip in his hand, driving people out of the temple. But as we see Jesus in these verses, it's important that we understand that it's not as though Jesus lost his composure. And it's certainly not as though Jesus was given over to sinful anger. No, what we see with Jesus' response was actually his passionate love for these people. Because there was a purpose and a reason as to why Jesus was driving them out of the temple. First and foremost, he was cleansing and restoring the temple to be what it was intended to be, a place of worship for God. And secondly, in driving these people out of the temple, Jesus desired to lead these people to repentance. For they had fallen into sinful and corrupt worship practices. So Jesus wanted to once again get them back into the proper worship practices that God desired them to carry out. And in turn, see him for who he truly was. The one who came to redeem them of all of their sins. This is why we see such a passionate response from Jesus. And just as Jesus passionately drove people out of the temple back then in our verses today, well, if Jesus happened to walk through our church doors this morning, is there anything that he would need to drive out of here today? Maybe you're sitting there thinking that that's a completely foolish question because we don't have animals sitting in our entryway desecrating the purpose of our worship space. But you see, the same sinful nature which led the Israelites to fall into their corrupt worship practices back then is the very same sinful nature that you and I have been born with. The very same sinful nature which leads us to fall into our own 
sinful, corrupt worship practices. So I'll ask the question this way. Are there any sinful thoughts or ideas that need to be driven out of your heart when it comes to worship? Like the Israelites, can we maybe at times fall into the mindset that uh, all that God cares about is the outward action? That as long as we're just sitting in the pew on Sunday morning, that that's all God is concerned with. But when it comes to actually paying attention to the, the three readings for the day, the sermon or the prayers that take place throughout our service, imagine that those can just kind of be drowning on in the background while, while I think about everything that's supposed to come up in this next week. Or can we maybe fall into the mindset of, of becoming liturgical robots in a way? where we're so used to the responses in our service that, that we don't actually think about what we're saying. We just regurgitate them from memory. And similar to this, I mean, can't we be tempted to, to sing the same hymns we've sung hundreds of times without actually thinking about the beautiful truths we're proclaiming and to just recite them from memory? And in connection with all of this, what is our passion when it comes to worship. I'm not just talking about how loud we're singing or, or, or what our expressions are as we're here at worship. What I'm more so talking about is as we come to church to gather around the means of grace, are you coming with a heart of joy that recognizes the powerful and amazing things that are taking place in our worship service? The reality is, is that we all have things that need to be driven out of our hearts when it comes to worship. But this doesn't mean we need to despair. Because the reason God calls us to drive these sinful thoughts and ideas out of our hearts is so that we can hear about His passionate love that He has shown to us through the work of His Son. Because the purpose of our worship services isn't for us to do something for God as if God needed our worship in any way. The purpose of our worship services is to receive amazing blessings from God. Because the purpose of our worship service is to gather around the gospel in word and sacrament. The very message which reveals God's passionate love shown to us through the work of His Son. His passion love which led him to drive people out of the temple in our verses before us this morning. And his passionate love which would lead him to walk his path to the cross so that he could be the Savior we truly needed him to be. And it's this very truth that Jesus tries to focus the audience before him on as our verses continue. That as our account continues, it seems as though Jesus driving everybody out of the temple caused quite the commotion, as you can imagine. And this brought some of the authorities down on him, who wanted to know by what authority Jesus was doing these things. And so they asked him, what sign are you going to show us to prove you can do these things? What they wanted was Jesus to perform a miracle to prove his authority, something which Jesus flat out refused to do. Because he knew that their unbelief would deny any miracle that he would perform for them. But while Jesus refused to perform a miracle in this specific instance, 
he decided to point them ahead to the greatest miracle that was to come in the future. Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. Upon hearing this, the authorities, of course, didn't understand what Jesus was saying. They thought he was speaking about the physical temple when Jesus was, in fact, speaking about his physical body, specifically referring to his coming death on the cross and his coming resurrection from the grave three days later. A miracle that would prove Jesus wasn't just some great prophet, but a miracle that would prove that Jesus was God's own Son, the promised Messiah. The one who not only had authority to drive people out of the temple, but the one who had authority to forgive the world all of its sins and declare the world righteous in God's sight. And really with this entire account, what Jesus desired to do was to lead everyone who was before him to see him for who he truly was. But of course, just as many disrespected him and remained in their spiritual blindness in this account, many would continue to remain in their spiritual blindness and disrespect him throughout his entire ministry. And because of this, Jesus had every right to give them what they deserved. To avoid ever walking his path to the cross so they could face the punishment for their sins. But you see, this is where we see the depth of Jesus' passionate love shown to sinners. Because it was for these very sins that led Jesus to unwaveringly walk his path to the cross. Jesus knew that it was his mission to come into this world to redeem the world of all of its sins. And so it was their very sinfulness that led him to passionately continue walking his path to the cross. The place where he would take on the sins of the world onto his very own back and give up his very own life to win forgiveness for all. And where he would rise three days later from the grave to prove that he had won victory over sin, death, Satan, and hell. And confirm God's infinite and abounding love to all people, including you. What this means for you is that even though you fall into all kinds of sins in your life, and have fallen into all kinds of sinful, corrupt worship practices, you can know that God sent his Son to die for you. And God did this not because you earned or deserved it in any way. No, God did this freely out of his gracious and loving heart. God did it because of his passionate love to save and redeem sinners like you and me. And it was God's passionate love which not only led him to send his son to die for us, but which also led him to order all of history to make sure that we would come into contact with his means of grace. The gospel in word and sacrament, the very things that God sends his Holy Spirit to work through, to plant and create faith in hearts. And it's through this work that God has opened your eyes to see Jesus for who he truly is, your Savior from sin, and which has led you to trust and believe in him as such, and so receive the greatest blessing of all, the free gift of forgiveness. It's very obvious to tell when someone is passionate about something. 
You can see the excitement in their eyes. You can hear the joyful tone in their voice. And, and you can even see the energy that their presence gives off. Well, what we see so clearly in the verses before us this morning is God's passionate love in accomplishing his plan of salvation. And when we see and recognize God's passionate love for us, naturally this fills us with a passion to praise and worship the God who has done everything for our salvation. We see that as we gather together on mornings just like today, powerful and amazing things are happening. We're gathering on the message that has revealed God's passionate love to sinners like us, and the very message that God will use to send his Holy Spirit to strengthen our God-given faith, leading us to cling to his promises, know the joy of our forgiveness, and work in us a heart that desires to passionately praise and worship the God who has blessed us in the greatest way. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.